Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Ian, joined as always by my big brother, Sean. And we are not alone today. We've got another big episode coming up. Sean, who we got with us today? Joining us today are the co-hosts of the Everything Leafs podcast. We have returning guest Kevin Papetti and brand new guest Nick D'Souza. Boys, thanks so much for joining us. We're excited. Thanks for having us. I mean, I'm re- I'm returning. I feel like I gotta I gotta speak first here. I think I'm the uh, you are. I don't know. It's a, it's you're a big deal, I guess. But for you're, Nick, you're the Steve, Jason Spezza of this podcast. I think I think Nick should have to do the rookie lab here. Yeah, I'm the rookie, so I don't know if I'm the Nick Robertson or or no. maybe I'm the Mike Michael Bunting. Like a, a oh, I like that. The new edition rookie, maybe. <laughs> like that we don't want robertson keeps getting hurt we don't want you getting hurt Nick. so let's we'll keep this going forward but we got a big episode coming today obviously we're going to touch on the leafs we're going to start with the greater nhl at large and i'm going to be honest with you guys we were going to start with the blackhawk situation but at the end of the day i feel like there's a lot more people who are more capable and insightful than us to listen to about this issue right we got rick westhead obviously is doing an incredible job media members across the hockey nation who are covering this story it's it's extremely important and it's one that goes well beyond hockey as we we all know and i think that we we wouldn't be able to do it justice it's not a slight against you ian kevin or nick or or myself it's just there's so much coverage on it that it, it warrants going to to the right places for it in my opinion and you know, it goes beyond hockey a lot of times. And, I, and, you know, even the story right now going on with a 16-year-old girl who's playing at the high school level for the varsity team who's getting chirped and jeered through the entire game and ends up crying. It's just everyone needs to settle the fuck down. This is bigger than hockey. There's human beings. Like, everyone relax. So instead of spending 15 minutes on something that, you know, is way bigger than all of us, let's have some fun. Let's try and have some fun on the podcast, Ian. Let's shift to a fun topic. What do you got? Well, there's nothing more fun than blockbuster trades, right? Regardless of the sport, right? Regardless of the sport. NFL trade deadlines yesterday. You know, we're wondering, is Odo Beckham going to get traded? You know, is, is, is another big domino going to fall? Nothing ends up happening, but we're all rooting for blockbuster trades. The NHL trade season starting early because it looks like Jack Eichel could be on the move. Rumors turned into sort of you know, um, pointed speculation by people like Kevin Weeks. And now it sounds like it's down to the Calgary Flames and Las Vegas Golden Knights, who, as Toronto people on this podcast, look like absolute dog shit against the Leafs last night. So with all that in mind, fellas, what is your favorite Jack Eichel destination? Doesn't have to be one of these two teams. What do we think? Yeah, you, first year, uh, I'll go. I'll go Calgary. I think it'd be cool to see him on a Canadian team. Um, I don't know if I want to see Vegas. Depending on what the package that they give, I don't know if I want to see Eichel on Vegas. Like when they're fully healthy, they're a really good team as it is. So seeing Eichel there might not be too fun. But I think Calgary would be cool. Um, obviously, that I think there was a proposed package today uh, that centered around Matthew Kachuk. Uh, I think it was two first round picks or yeah, Matthew then, uh, Kachuk, a first rounder, a former first rounder and two prospects. Yeah. The I definitely mean, the, it seems it's like a really big package. I mean, when, when you look at his Kachuk could get a qualifying offer this upcoming season, sorry, the upcoming off season. Um, and I think it's 9 million. I know Kevin is our, is our cap guru on the <laughs> podcast. So you might have to correct me there, but yeah, I think it's 9 million his, his qualifying offer. So that definitely makes, that offer a little bit more interesting in general. Uh, but yeah, definitely a huge package for a really good player. So my pick would definitely be Calgary. I'm going the opposite. I'm going Vegas. I just, do you remember when Eichel came into the league, like before he was drafted and he went, did the like, I'm coming for you Buffalo video. I want to see one of those, but for Vegas, that's, that's my dream. I feel bad for the guy. He's been in Buffalo. I mean, I think him going to Vegas would be so fun. I love watching golden Knights games. I don't know why, but I've never liked Calgary. I don't know why. Um, so I, I just think Vegas would be a lot more fun. I'm sure you could have a lot of fun in Calgary, but I, I think Eichel to Vegas would just be uh, just a great, great, great to see. But I don't know what the offer would be because now that we're seeing Kachuk involved, and it is nine million, Nick. Um, 
you know, what's Vegas offering that's that's going to beat that Calgary offer? If that's real, I, I have a hard time seeing him going to Vegas. Well, let's, I just, same let's add one thing right here really quick, Ian. Uh, Vegas is objectively just as a city more fun than Calgary. I think we can all agree on that. A destination for Eichel, debatable, but as a city, you know, let's, we're not, let's put that one to bed. We're, we're not going to slander the city of Calgary on this podcast. I understand <laughs> it's tough in the winters, okay? But until you've done... You know, the stampede and, you know, that whole thing. Calgary can hold his own. Obviously not Las Vegas. Not slandering. You just not, brought the stampede versus Las Vegas. You know, I mean, obviously it's not Las Vegas. All right. But we're not going to, you know, we're not going to get crazy saying Calgary's a shit city because it isn't. But I had the same question because my thought is there's no way Vegas can come close to matching this in terms of a what can you offer? situation right i mean if you're i mean first of all kachuk has to be better than any asset that vegas could be floating like am i missing something here nick i'm not sure i do think that that the the cap applications make things interesting um like for example like if he does take that qualifying offer after one year he would be able to hit the open market which kind of makes things a little interesting but then again i think you are right like I don't know if Vegas can beat that. It's a bit weird. It's a bit weird in the sense that, like, are they going to be able to keep Kachuk in Buffalo? Or are they going to have to flip him? Obviously, if they flip him, they're going to get a bunch for him. Like, he's he's a valuable asset to many teams. But uh, that deal just seemed like it was – after all we've heard with Buffalo and and how much they've struggled to make this trade, I mean, it's been forever now. It seems months and months we've been waiting for it. To get a package like that from Calgary seems like a win at this point. So I don't know what the holdup is. I don't know if we're going to get the deal during this podcast or we're going to get tomorrow, but let's hope so. So we're talking about the former first rounder, right? So it's Kachuk and the former first rounder. So I'm going to throw some former first rounders at you, and you tell me which one is more likely. Ready? Sean Monahan, Noah Hannafin, Eric Gabranson. <laughs> In the uh, deal? No, none of the above. I guess Gabranson. Or are we talking like a Connor Zary? Zary or Bellamacki, uh, probably. Bellamacki's yeah. been a little, a little older, but and uh, they already have Rasmus Dahlin on the left side there. I don't know. I, I feel like Zari's a better fit, but and he's also younger. But wouldn't he count as a prospect? Because I believe in Weeks' his tweet, he's talking about a former first-round pick and Good prospects. Good point. So mm. that's the part that I'm unsure of. It just looks like one of those deals that when you look, go on Cap Friendly and you look at the like the fan deals, it looks <laughs> like one of those like Eichel's on one side and <laughs> just a bunch of stuffs on the other <laughs> side. That That's the first thing I thought of. And then when I saw it came from Kevin Weeks, I thought, okay, maybe – you know, maybe, maybe there's something behind it, but the first thing I thought was that just seems like a huge package and just a bunch of bunch of different stuff for for obviously a really good player. But I don't know. I think with the injury, like Eichel's injury, with how long it's been since he's actually played, with just all the different pieces, like even even just a former first round pick, you know, that's so vague. It could be like you said, either Good Branson or Monahan. Um, just such a vague thing in general. Well, the one, one thing that's very important here is both Vegas and Calgary have said that they would let Eichel get his surgery. And, and it, it's weird because Calgary has come out to a really hot start. Kachuk is, even though Papetti, you know, you diminished his value on Twitter today. But, you know, <laughs> well, they're off to a hot start. Eichel's not playing for, what, six months? Right. Uh, months. He, he's definitely not impacting the season for the Calgary Flames. So you're punting on the season if you're Calgary in not a great division in – and I, there's an opportunity here. So it, it felt weird. It felt like, why isn't Buffalo taking this immediately? Unless, to your point, Nick, there's that, I'm going to take the qualifying offer and I'm out of here. It's coming out of the agent world here, which is very possible. But, Kevin, you brought up the fact that he could uh, that he could be flipped for some, for a lot, even though you think he sucks. But let's, <laughs> let's move away from Eichel. Hold on, hold on. What exactly is Vegas giving? No, the, no, the money, the money doesn't make sense. I'm looking at cap friendly. It's like none of it makes sense. Makes, no, none of it. Peyton Krebs, sick. Sign me up. We're like this is a thing that we we we're constantly doing this. 
Jack Eichel would have been the number one pick in almost any other draft other yeah. than the, obviously the McDavid Matthews drafts. Every other draft, he's the number one pick. And I'm not even sure it's remotely close, right? Like if let's say we built a time machine and we put Jack Eichel, the prospect in every draft since the Matthews draft, is he going above Nico Hirscher? Yeah. Hirscher, Rasmus Dallin? Yeah. Jack Hughes? Probably, yeah. Probably. It's close, but yes. Lafreniere? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Owen Power? Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> what, what is Vegas going to give here? What's, How is this the even money. a discussion? It's the money, too. Like, what are you going to do? Uh, cap fill with Evgeny Dadinov? Like, okay, sure. I mean... And we're kind of seeing this in the NBA too, right? Is it's you need to have the contracts, and the contract that would kind of make sense is Petrangelo. They ain't doing that. So again, it, it's exciting to see. It's great to have kind of like an NBA moment in the NHL, which is awesome. Which is this is kind of the closest that we get. And yet he'll get traded and just won't play for a while because he has to go get actual surgery. Let's transition. Let's go to again the a game of real or fake. So Nick and Kevin, we're going to throw out some teams who have either come out to a horrendous start or a great start. We know that we're 10 games into the season. We want to know from both of you if this is really who this team is or if they're fake. So let's start with the first one. The first team is the team that the Leafs had their best game against to date before last night, which is the New York Rangers. The Rangers are 6-2-2. and Let's start with you, Nick. Are the Rangers real or are they fake? I am not sure about that because they're they're an interesting team. They've been getting pretty good goaltending, especially at even strength. And but I'm gonna say fake, um, just based on their just overall lineup. And I think this is the perfect time to be playing these games because this game real or fake? Because every year after ten games, we see certain teams kind of go through a bit of a hot streak, whether that's after preseason or you know, going into 10 to 20 games. So I, I, I'll i say fake here for the Rangers. I'm going fake as well. I I hated their offseason. Like, I'm a big Pavel Buchnevich fan. I just think they got they, – they, Tom Wilson just crushed, crushed them. <laughs> I don't know what happened. He got in their head. I, st- I think they're a fine team. Like, I, I feel like that's a team. I don't want to run into Shesterkin in the playoffs. I think he's a very good young goaltender. I think Adam Fox is incredible. He deserves every penny of that extension in my mind, mm-hmm. but you're really hoping. I just don't know if I see the center depth behind Zabinajad. Like I, I think Lafreniere could have a big breakout season. He was a bit disappointing as a rookie. Uh, I like, I've always liked Chris Kreider. Panarin's a star, but I just don't see the two way forwards. And I think they have some weak links in their lineup. And I, I just think you look at how the Leafs played against them. The Leafs have not been amazing to start the season by any means, especially mm-hmm back a week ago it's one way and, to play. yeah and the Leafs just kind of dominated them like they they the, the Rangers got a point out of it but I just can't buy it that division's so strong and I think it's kind of like the NF, NFC West in football I think they're just gonna you know get to each other throughout the course of the year on the Fox front what we have to knock this out this is the best of all the big money defensemen that we've seen over the past, let's say, 18 months. Guys who've got massive extensions. He's clearly the best one, right? Him and McCarr. McCarr, yeah. I don't know what okay, McCarr is. I McCarr, but Fox is really good. The oh, other night, for sure. him and Panarin just took over the game. Um, I think it was two nights ago. Like, he is such a fun player to watch. Yeah, yeah. and, and was, Kevin, and where was were you? He was given up on twice. He was given up on twice. Two organizations Ke- gave up on him. Okay, Kevin, I'm calling up some receipts here. And I can honestly tell you, I haven't seen them. Where okay. were you on Capo Coco? Wait, Cap, Cap I always Capo got wrong. Capo Coco. I had him second like everyone else. I mean, he was, I'm a bit surprised he's been a bit of a, like him and Zadina have really underwhelmed relative to the draft stock. I had Zadina at four. I think I had Capo at two. Um, that was the Heischer draft, I believe. No, wasn't that Lafreniere? Lafreniere sure was Northern Patrick, right? Lafreniere and Cacker on the same team. It couldn't have been that. No, you're 100% right. Now, now you got me all messed up. Oh. It's, is it Darlene? Uh, Darlene was Shevchenkov, too. Don't was worry, it, guys. Jack That's Hughes. why we have to edit it. Was, I think it was Jack there you Hughes. go. 
We're going Jack Hughes. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to look that one up. But yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with him. I haven't been impressed. He's, he was just a beast in his draft. I don't know if it was just like a physical specimen that, you know, gets against stronger competition and doesn't translate as well, but I'm, I'm very surprised. He's not at least a, you know, a, a 60 point guy. All right. Next one. The New York Islanders are three, <laughs> three and two. Now, are the Islanders becoming the team that Leafs fans have said to ourselves that they are? Or is this all fake? Nick, what do you think? Oh, the Islanders. Um, I hope so. I, I do think they've they've definitely been getting outplayed a lot this year at five on five, which is something that you know usually they're pretty good at. Um, we're kind of getting used to them being really good defensively. We're getting used to them having really good goaltending, which you know, from year to year, from even from month to month fluctuates. Uh, but sometimes, somehow, the Islanders just keep getting good goaltending year after year. I will say it is real. I'll be a, a classic Leafs fan here. The fact that they're just getting outshot right now, like at the at the rate that they are, I will say that their start is real. Um, I just don't really like their bottom six. I never have. Um, obviously Lou Lamorello committed a lot of money to, you know, some, some aging vets there, gave them a lot of money, continues to give them money. And I think sooner or later has to catch up to them. So I will say real, but again, I, they just, they just prove us wrong every single year. but I'm going to stick to it this year and uh, I'll say real. You made a good point though. They prove us wrong every year in the playoffs, in the regular right. season. They are slightly what slightly above average, just uh, just above mediocre, and it's in a so. tough division, right? So, are they, you know, in what what would that be? In eight games, have three wins? Bad, in my opinion, probably not. But they're not world beaters in the regular season. Like, I think that I think that's fair, Kevin. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I mean, I, I, there's some players on that team I think are outstanding. I love the Pelic Polak pairing when they're together. I think Matthew Barzell is just a, one of the funnest players to watch in the league, the way he can carry the puck of transition. They got some good goal scorers, whether it's Lee or Palmieri. I do think they have a little bit more scoring than maybe they did in past years, but it's really the same team it's always been. They've, they've typically been a pretty good regular season team. Uh, I'm trying to think of who they lost in recent years. Not really too many players. Well, they got so, rid of Letty for cap issues. Then they traded DeHaan to Colorado for, what, two seconds or whatever it was? Yeah, but those aren't back those end shouldn't depth. Be. No, the Devin Tays one a couple of years ago was bad. That's the one. Sorry, Devin Tays. That's the one I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah. So th- that that one was bad, but they have two good goaltenders. But again, that that division is a killer, and someone pretty good in the East is not going to make the playoffs. The fact that you get off to a rough start kills, right? Like Florida now because of their start has some wiggle room. Um, the, the Islanders have to make up some ground with some pretty good teams ahead of them. So, and, and Pittsburgh sheet is disgusting. It's yes. disgusting. <laughs> no, 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 it is, it is, it, it is of everything on cap friendly. This is cap friendly's vomit. This is disgusting. How, cause Nick, you made such a good point. How, how have, have these contracts not caught up to them? Lee, 7 million, Nelson, 6 million, Paul, Mary, five, Pajot, five, Bailey, five, like, I mean, at some point, like the math just is the math. What? How, I don't understand how they're doing this. But having Pelic and Pollock at a combined twelve million, it, dude. Honestly, anytime I have to say that pairing, I can't <laughs> use the words. But having them at combined twelve million is kind of what saves them, and they're goalies. They're goalies. Uh, let's keep rolling. The St. Louis Blues, Nick, are six one and zero. Real or fake? I'm going to say real um, for the Blues. I don't know why I'm really going with it. I don't really have a strong opinion on the Blues, to be honest. Uh, I probably only watched like one or two games this year, but I don't know. I just, I think Tarasenko is playing really well this year. Um, I do like a lot of their players. Like I think Jordan Cairo, he's probably going to come down to earth a little bit based on his production so, so far, but I think he's a really talented player. I like kind of those those hard kind of can do it all types of players like Shen and Perron. So I'm going to say real. I don't think they're going to be, you know, a, a top 
you know, three team in the NHL or whatever they are right now based on their record. Um, but I think they're going to be a playoff team and a, and a pretty good one. Kevin, are you sticking with Nick or are you swinging your stick like Bennington and going backwards? <sighs> I don't know. I think they're like a mid-tier playoff team, put it that way. I, I'm with Nick in the fact that I like a lot of their players. I've always liked O'Reilly. Uh, I've always been a big fan of David Perron. I said earlier, like Kuznevich. It's fun to see what Tarasenko is doing this year after no after one After no one won. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tareko has always been like a, a great defensive defenseman. But I can't stand Bennington. I, they just got dominated in last year's playoffs. Just rolled over. And it, it's a similar team. I know they added Brandon Sad. But I just don't trust something about that team anymore. I think Petrangelo was such a big loss for them a couple of years ago. I guess it a year ago, but I just can't trust them. I know they won the cup. Maybe I like, they're not like a team that's cursed in the playoffs. Like the Leafs are, but something about that team, I just can't stand. I think it's their goalie, but I just don't trust them anymore. After last year, they, they weren't good at all. I was, they should have been much better. You look at their lineup and you look at how they performed both in the regular season and playoffs. I don't know what happened to that team, but at least they're they're coming back soon. I like Jake Neighbors. He's a good young player, but I, I gotta go like they're I don't know if it's real or fake. I just think they're a, a mediocre playoff team. Better than expected, so that's real, but they're not gonna finish, you know, f- yeah, what exponentially higher than uh, six and one. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't think they're a yeah, top no. three team in the West. No, right, right. I think that was your point too, Nick. Yeah, I, I think now 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 that I'm thinking about it, like I think they're I'm probably in the middle of real or fake as well. Like I think they're going to be a playoff team, just not, you know, a top five or even top seven team in the NHL. All right, guys. This next one is strange, but what do we think of the San Jose Sharks? Nick, you go first. Ooh, San Jose. How are they even doing this here? I need to six and uh, three, six and three, six and three. I'm going to go fake on that one. Um, for them, again, like I don't really have a strong opinion on on San Jose. Check out their um, cap friendly. That's a cap friendly you got to look at. Yeah, well, yeah. They're, they're an <laughs> interesting team. Everyone's on the COVID list. <laughs> yeah. I think Timo Meyer just got put on or he's injured now, right? Well, they're an interesting team because they have a ton of really – hot starts from that top, especially from that top line, like Jonathan Dallin, um, obviously Timo Meyer, Thomas Hurdles had a really good start to the season. Um, so I do think they're going to cool. Uh, they're going to cool down. Um, I actually was looking, I have, I have hurdle or sorry, Timo Meyer on my fantasy team. So earlier this week I was looking at his shooting percentage and I'm pretty sure it was like sky high. So I do think that a lot of their offense is coming from that top line. It probably will cool down sooner or later. Um, so for them, I'll say fake. What about you, Kevin? I, I go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know. I, I love Hurdle. I'll say that. Like that's you're gonna my love dream. like eight players on the roster. It's gonna be like Hurdle's my <laughs> Hurdle's my dream acquisition for the Leafs at the deadline. But no, I think they're fake. Like Reimer Hill is not giving me much confidence in net. Their defense doesn't give me much confidence. They got some like a couple of good underrated guys like Ferraro, but I don't I don't think that's a, a good team. I, I think they're like eighth in the West at best. And Ian, that's a that's a team that's gonna be bad for a long time. Like holy, that is that is an interesting cap situation. They have thirty three million on COVID IR right now. <laughs> that's crazy. Ian, didn't you have Aiden Hill in Portland? Aiden Hill, Aiden Hill's good. You got to trust that because Aiden Hill is like Dennis Potvin because he's either like legit the greatest goalie that you've ever seen grace the earth, earth or just like completely unwatchable. And there's nothing in between. When Aiden gets hot, he get, he gets really hot. And I, I think, I, you know, obviously, you know, you you have when you talk to that you have to talk about the cap situation. It's hilarious, you know, and they have Carlson at 11 five <laughs> for like a million more years. And I'm sorry, like that—that that is just not getting better. I mean, even Vlasic till 2026 at at, at seven million, that is a situation that, that's not getting better. And look, like we we mentioned Hurdle, like 
How do they keep Hurdle? UFA, end of the year. So I'm probably leaning to you guys. Not that I get a vote, but this would definitely be fake to me. And I think it's going to be like, by the end of the season, it's going to be like real, real fake. We're all in agreement. Four fakes. Let's get to the last one. We didn't talk about them off the top of the show, but we're going to talk about them now. Kevin, are the Blackhawks this bad? Are they 1-7-2 and two bad? I don't know if any team's 1-7-2 bad, but they're bad. I don't think they're that good. Like, So this is that, real. That Seth Jones contract was brutal. I know that's another Portland winter hawk there, but um, I, I, I don't really like their centers. Like, Taze isn't what it used to be. Again, they have some good underrated forwards, especially on the wing, but their blue line kind of sucks. And I, I don't – like, Fleury's not getting any younger. So, I don't know. I, I, I like Kirby Doc. I just don't really see an elite team. Like, they got some ground to make up now, which is going to be the challenge. They got to go on a, on a big win streak just to get back in it. And it's – it's tough to make up ground in a league that gives out the loser point. So they got their work cut out for them. I could see them being a low end playoff team, but I, I think with their off season, they thought they were going to be, you know, back to their glory days or you called there with Colorado and they're not, you called it. Yeah. And that was probably the saddest thing for me. Jonathan Taze is a shell of himself now. And I know it was a lot to Good. deal with everything that was happening. I, oh, I ends on the hate. Good. Uh, Jonathan. Up. <laughs> no right, like Nick. hey we, we had seth we had seth in portland when i was there and like that is from all accounts a great kid so i want him to be happy and for this to work out now do i think 9.5 million was a good idea no i don't with all that said fuck them if any team deserves to be one in seven it's them and sometimes it just works out that way even though alex DeBrinket was 13 when it happened they still get the bad juju. Nick, what do you think? Are they this are they this bad? Is this real? Um, I would say it's I'm not gonna say it's real, but it's pretty close to real. Um, I don't think they're gonna be a playoff team. I don't think they're good enough this year to be a playoff team. Um I think it's interesting because I, I do know in the offseason they were pretty optimistic about the season. Um but it's one of those things like I do like watching Debrin Kid play. Um I know a lot of analytics Twitter is is quite like happy about set like Chicago in general, like being bad. And I guess like after everything that's happened, like you said, like sometimes these things just happen. Um, but I'll say it's pretty close to real. I think Patrick Kane and, and Patrick Kane is one of the most overrated players in my mind. I, he just does not play defense. Throwing that out there. Only one more year, man. Only one more year and they're done with both those turds. <laughs> with all that said, Let's get to let's get to let's get to the reason why we're here, fellas. And the the reason why we're here is because Sean, in particular, needs to talk Leafs. He needs that. Otherwise, if he doesn't talk about the Leafs, you know, once every couple of weeks, he he gets all fidgety. So we got to talk about the Leafs. And if we're leading off anything about the Leafs, it's got to be that Morgan Riley extension came out of nowhere. You know, sort of a Raptors style playbook of you know, not leaking and, you know, all of a sudden, boom, it's out there. So KP off the top, what are we making of the Riley extension? I don't know. Like I probably wouldn't have signed it. I probably would have got the trader out um, either during the off season or the off season before, but it seemed pretty evident they weren't going to go down that route when they, when they kept them all off season. I, I know Dubis probably won't be here when that deal is in its final years. Um, and, and they are kind of going for it now. Like, I think in the short term, it definitely helps the Leafs. And then, as with any eight-year deal, it's really going to depend on how much the cap goes up. If if the cap skyrockets in a few years, you know, that deal could look pretty good pretty soon, right? But if, if it's going to be a flat cap or a relatively flat cap, I don't know. Like, for seven and a half, I, I – He's, it's kind of a strange situation, the fact that he's not a lead on the power plays, not a lead on the penalty kill. He's not a guy that takes tough matchups normally. He's normally the, the second-pairing guy. He's getting paid like a number one. Now, it is a, a discount on guys like you know Seth Jones or Orensky, but he is a bit older than those guys, and he's getting the full eight. So for $60 million, I don't know how much of a discount it really is. Maybe he gets that over seven years somewhere else. 
I, I guess I don't think it's a disaster, but I, I don't love the contract either. I'm kind of still a little bit neutral about it, I guess. But it, yeah, you're neutral not love. because, and I read your article, you're neutral because you love the guy. You love the fact that he stayed here, but you don't like the hockey situation that this brings about. That's what you're, that's what you're neutral about. He's also kind of like the Marcus Simeon situation with the Jays, like prior to this year, where he had that Good one big that year. Else. He had that one big year and then kind of fell off. And now you're like, is he going to jump back or is he going to, you know, just kind of be mediocre again? Like he, He's a, he's a good defenseman. He's an above average player, but I don't know if I see a seven million, seven and a half million dollar player every night. Um, well, especially when you have guys like Sandine in the, in the waiting, like I'm not saying Sandine can replace Riley, but you know, offensive defensemen are typically a little bit easier to replace. Like his role could, could be partially filled kind of the same way, you know, James and Reamsdyke role is partially filled. I don't know if he's literally the two-way defenseman that that some of the $9 million guys are. I think part of the problem was, and then I want to get to Nick, but I think part of the problem was that the deal was just hatched at the wrong time, right? So, like, you saw this summer, all you know, we mentioned Jones. Um, You know, Fox just got his bag. But, you know, there's a lot of defensemen that were paid this summer, including Dougie Hamilton and Hamilton's older than Riley. So the question's got to be, would I rather have Hamilton at nine or Riley at seven, five? Right. And like, I think when you look at it that way, like it starts to look a little better. Now I'm not saying that a, a, a general manager who's most likely going to be fired at the end of the year should be handing out eight year anything, but when you're talking about the deals that were handed out, you have to think that this was the giving the full eight was a, the only way and B that this number was almost a best case scenario. Do you have, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I don't know about Dubas getting fired at the end of the year. I'd say it's it's 50, 50 at best at this point. I say say it's lower than 50, 50. I think it's like, I think 80% he's still here next year. Uh, when they inevitably poo their pants, when they inevitably poo their pants against whoever, it's happening. <laughs> I don't know if it's Dubas. I, I think it's going to be one of the players. I got faith. I got faith. Yeah, well, I think, we're, I think we're gonna stable. we're gonna get to the rest of the roster because that, that's a part of it. Nick, uh, Ian mentioned timing, and I want you to to give your thoughts on the rally extension as well. But I thought the timing was extremely interesting. The team was beyond struggling; they were in their own head. And it felt to me like they pulled the trigger now to give them a, a boost of positivity. Did, did it come across like that to you? For me, it was a bit kind of, I also thought the timing was really interesting. I do think it was even more kind of like it was coming off a win, uh, that OT win against, I think it was Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they did have that really bad start. And then, they had that win against, uh, I think it was Detroit. Chicago, and, the OT win in uh, Sorry, in Chicago, Chicago right? yeah. yeah. And then the next day, they did the, the Riley, and it came out of nowhere. I thought it was almost like, okay, we got our win now, and Here's let's get this out there. Right. Um, not while we're you know losing all these games, and we have this little bit of positivity here, so let's continue the positivity. In general, on the contract, I do not like it. Um, it's one of those deals where I think I kind of don't like the cap hold situation in the NHL in general, because I really do like Morgan Riley as a player. Um, I've been a bit big fan of him since, you know, his draft year, he's been through it all with the Leafs. So as a player, I do really like him. I just do not like the term. Um, I don't mind the, the cap hit at 7.5, especially when you compare it to other top D. I do think that the timing of this in general, kind of makes the deal look better. And because of what happened during the offseason with all the top D um, and how much they got signed for. So I think from a PR standpoint, like the deal looks pretty good. Um, But, you know, like Kevin said, Riley right now is not really, I don't think he's their best power play defenseman. I do would rather see Sandine um, as PP1. 
He's not a great penalty killer. He's not getting those top minutes right now. Over the past two years, like when you look at five on five, just raw point production per 60, Jake Muzzin's been competing with Riley, even though Muzzin's been getting the tough minutes and the tough zone starts. I just don't think he's the number one D and right now for the Leafs that they really rely on, even on the left side, and he's getting paid like it. Um, but it's one of those things where I think I would have been okay with the deal if they didn't have a no move clause on it, but six years, no move clause. I mean, you yes. are really putting yourself in a tough spot. Like Ian, what you were saying, if they do lose this, this, you know, inevitably in the first round, this upcoming no, no, year, sorry, poo their pants. I think yes. Okay. I <laughs> that, that is, that is probably more accurate, but if you, if that does happen, you can't trade Tavares. He's on a full no move and I don't think he's waving it. You're not going to trade your franchise player and, and, you know, a top two player in the league in Austin Matthews. You're probably not trading William Nylander because at 6.9, it's looking pretty good right now. And so you're virtually looking at, I think Kerfoot's probably going to move at 3.5 anyway. But if you want to make a big move, you're literally looking at Mitch Marner at whatever it is, 10.9 or Morgan, or sorry, or actually that's it. You're literally looking at yeah, Mitch Marner or Alex Kerfoot, depending on it, how much you want to put up. Yeah. Well, you got so, Richie. There, that's one. You got Kerfoot. That's another. Every arrow that, doesn't that solve we your see problem, here. Though. No, but every, especially when we're going to talk about Jack Campbell soon, every arrow here points to, to Marner. Because, Nick, yeah. you laid it out perfectly. It's not going to be yeah, Matthews. To me, yeah. It's not going to, it's not going to be John, uh, JT because you can't. You can't even move Morazic because he's got a full no move. You, you can't move, um, you can't move Willie because that's your best value that you have on the team. Every arrow is pointing up, and Brody and Muslim both have full no moves. And when they're on, they're your best defenseman when it comes to actually keeping pucks out of, out of the net. I would say this about Riley. What worries me the most is what he, what makes him great, which is being an offensive defenseman. I think we can all say, and that gets you paid in this league. Let's let's be honest. Being an offensive defenseman and putting points up, people win Norris trophies by doing that, which I think is crazy, but that it happens. Is what separates him from the rest is his speed and offensive instincts. The offensive instincts aren't going to go anywhere. But when you get older, speed declines. It's just, that's fa- that's father time. And if that's what you're best at, that's going to be tricky. And he has a lot of hard miles on him. Like this dude's been playing basically every day since he was 19 years old. So I am also worried. I love the optics of it. I love the like the heartbeat, like this is our guy. We got our guy. I love that mentality of it. And I, I could see in the, the argument that if he went to the open market, I do believe he would have got more than 7.5 AAB. I do believe that. But to you and Kevin's point, it doesn't mean you have to sign it. You could have traded it. You could have done whatever you needed to do with it. Um, I was relieved because it's like we kept a guy. And that's, that's just Toronto. That's Toronto about everything. It's like, oh, someone wanted to be a part of our family. It's like that, that's the, that's how this thing works sometimes. And we see it more with the rap like with Raptors, but that's the only basketball team in Canada. But you know what? Um I I do agree with you both. I we want to get a quick game in though, because we're short on time, but we want to do this really quick. One quick note on last note on Riley. Back in, I think it was 20, 2017, 2018. Stan Van Gunny was running the Detroit Pistons and he made a trade for Blake Griffin and Blake Griffin at the time had just got paid five years, 171 million. Stan knew Stan knew that that deal was going to age poorly, but based on where his job was and his status with the organization, he knew that that was a, this better worker I'm getting fired type move. This, this Riley thing, adding another no move clause clause to the list, further clogging, a horrifically mismanaged cap situation. This is a contract that Dubas fully knows that he's not going to see through. He, he, he may not even get to year one of it. And my problem is that like, again, this is a guy who at least 50, 50 or trending that way of maybe he's not employed by the team at the end of the year, him handing out an eight year deal is ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Forget, you know, the fact that Riley isn't a star and everything else, right? It's it's putting the team in a bad situation. And you never want to be put in a bad situation by a guy who may not be running your team in a year. What we're going to do, it's a good point, because I, a lot of things that Dubas has done, 
has have been on paper the right thing, and then they've gone haywire, right? The Kadri trade, you think about it on paper, it makes makes some sense. The Garrett Sparks keeping him, letting um, McElhaney and Pickard go because you know you want to keep that young asset. He was great in the AHL. There's again, you can go up and down the list. A lot of things on paper make sense. Hasn't worked out. Well, like I mentioned, we were going to play a game. I'm going to save it to the end. We normally do a thing, Nick, on the podcast. It's called quick hitters that we normally do. where We ask a bunch of questions. We're going to make the game into a quick hitter segment at the end. Let's stay on the salary cap and, and next season. I can't believe that they just have their best game of the year. And yet we're all in on the future, which is crazy. But Nick Kiprios, Nick, reported that Jack Campbell was in talks with the Leafs to get re-signed. And... He confirmed it post game yesterday. What's going on here? What do we think? Like, can't he can't make less, less than Morazic? So, what's what are we going to do? Uh, is this more arrows towards Marner? Is that what we're looking at here? Or what's doesn't going on? He doesn't Morazic have a no move too? Just 10 teams, just 10 teams. Oh, sorry, just 10 teams. You can't trade our backup goalie to, to 20 teams in the league. Nick, what do you think oh, about the Jack Campbell news? I think it'll be around. Um, I think his contract will be around what Mrazek is. Um, Mrazek was on the open market. I mean, there were a lot of goalies that were on the market in general, but I don't think Campbell's negotiations are going to be that difficult. Um, I think he said after that game that he wants to stay here. I take his word for it. He seems like a guy that really enjoys playing for this organization. Obviously, him and, and Keith and Dubas have that history in general i do think it'll be around Mrazic, a similar contract to him um so i mean he's such a likable player i think he's been he's been absolutely fantastic since he came to the leafs and you know it was a huge reason why the leaf season last year was so successful especially with how much trouble they were having with freddie so i would be really happy if he got re-signed i don't really see them you know committing over seven million to both their goalies, um, so maybe Mrazek gets moved. But I think Campbell is the goalie for you know at least the you know last next couple years. I would say. What are you seeing, Kevin? I think they're going to extend him. I think I'll get more than Mrazek, four and a half maybe something. Remember Freddie got. Um, I think they'll deal Mrazek if they have to. Uh, Ten team. They can get out of that deal, like. I think it's about right for Mrazek. Um, obviously, we haven't really seen much of him this year. Now, if Mrazek, it, it depends when this extension gets signed. Like, if, if Campbell goes on a, on a slump here and Mrazek's, you know, playing amazing, maybe that changes the talks a little bit. But as of now, like, the Leafs, if they're going to want to contend, they're going to need a goalie who gives them a chance in a playoff series. And I think Campbell's, you know, he, he did prove that last year. He played quite well. I, I want to keep him both for just personal reasons and, and his play on the ice. He's been phenomenal as a Maple Leaf. So I think Ooh. they are going to extend him. I think they are going to extend him. Knowing that Campbell was coming, why was the Morazic deal even signed in the first place? Because you, you need a 1B, right? Like, and they weren't sure if, if Campbell but, was real. I don't disagree. But again, when when the cap sheet is as it is, you need like with those in that three to 5 million range, like you got to nail those. So like, unless you're really sure, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. And now we're saying, okay, well, if Jack's getting four five, then we have to move out of Mrazic at, at three, eight. Well, it's like, well, then why was he signed in the first place? Cause you need a one B right. Like Campbell isn't proven enough to go in with like a McElhaney type backup. Fair. So I, I like the Mrazic one. I, I thought they would – I had him on my target list. I mean, all the goalies came in a little bit more than expected this offseason. I think because Seattle went and got Grubauer and Dreger and kind of tipped the market. But I do think that you can get out of that deal. Like, worst case, you give up, like, a mid-round pick or, or something to get out of it. I think the Leafs are – they are trying to win. I think those are the types of deals you do. You take a chance on Mrazic. You see how he does. And you dump him to Arizona if, if you have to, if he has a bad year. So. I, I like the logic there. I, I I still feel like their plan's not to trade Marner right now, but if all goes to shit this this playoffs, they might have to do something. It's not going to be Tavares. It's not going to be Matthews. The way Nylander's playing, it's not going to be him. We know it's not going to be Riley. 
it, it could be Marner or they could, you know, build around the edges again, try it again. But I, I actually have some faith in this team. Like, I, I guess I'm higher on them than, than most at this point. Well, you're higher on them than the two who are sitting above you in the Zoom room right now. Nick, what are your early thoughts on the team? Obviously, it's been a roller coaster with very few, in my opinion, very few peaks. What have been your early returns on the 20, 21, 22 Maple Leafs? I think the the format of how they should play and how they will play is there. I mean, I think when you look line by line, I didn't like Richie early in the in the season on the in the top six. I think that really hurt that top that top six in general. Um, but since Bunting's moved up there, I think Matthew and then when they now that they have Nylander there, I think the top six looked a lot better. Kerfoot up in the top six has looked really good. We know that. You know, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares are good hockey players. Um, obviously, Marner didn't have a great start, but I don't think anyone is that surprised that the, these players have figured out how to play hockey and, and you know, they're, they're back on their game, uh, as we saw last game against Vegas. They're going to be fine. I think that that third line, they get a ton of defensive zone starts, and they've been pretty good. Like, David Camp has been pretty good. They have a really low sh- shooting percentage. I think they're going to score a few goals, but at the end of the day, their job is to keep pucks out of the net and to keep shots away from, from their goalie. So I think they've done a decent job at that. And their fourth line, I, I don't like it right now. I think this is probably my biggest concern with this year's team is that fourth line right now. I don't like Spets at center, and I don't like Simmons and Richie, uh, both on that fourth line. I think it's really slow. I think it's looked okay against some pretty bad teams that they've played in the past two weeks, but... You know, now they're playing Tampa, Boston. I think that fourth line is going to have a really tough time. And I think a lot of people would say, well, it's just a fourth line. Spets had 24 points at five on five last season. That was a really, really lucrative fourth line for them last year. They really relied on it offensively. And they're going to need it again this year. So that's my biggest concern with the team right now. I think they're going to be a playoff team. And they're going to have to compete against a very good team, whether that's Florida, whether that's Boston, whether it's Tampa, or multiple um, of them if they make a few rounds. So I am probably higher on them as well as Kevin um, than most. But, you know, I think they have to figure out this whole being kept to the outside, having low shooting percentages against teams that can defend to because We've now had two playoff series, one against Montreal and one against Columbus, where they had very similar game plans. They sat back, they countered, and they won against the Leafs. So I think come playoff time, they're going to need to figure that out because they're going to be playing a much better opponent in the first round than both Columbus and Montreal. So, Kevin, I, re- I read your article the other day uh, the other day about what this team needs is you know another top six forward, someone that can slide in on that left side, drop bunting and Kerfoot down and provide them with, you know, you're not going to fill Zach Hyman's shoes, but provide them with a real top six option on the left side. And it's going to be difficult to do. And I think we're starting to see the big four. They're, they're coming on. Um, I'm not going to ask you about the forwards though. I, I can't, what scares the crap out of me and what is giving me anxiety because, you know, I don't have faith in this team. I don't. I have faith that they're going to make the playoffs. I have faith that they are going to have really hot streaks. I have faith that they are going to show us that they can be good. But consistency and sustainability has always been this team's problem. And I'm just scarred. I'm sorry. I'm I'm scarred. I'm not done. I'm always in on the Leafs. I'll watch every game. I bleed blue. Blue shaded glasses, my dad likes to say, every time I'm trying to defend any other players. But what really has me stressed is Muzzin... Brody and Hall because they have been absolute shells of themselves this year. What have you seen out of those three? Am am I seeing this right? Like we look, don't we look slow? I I don't know what to make of this. Like they had to rejig the entire back, the back six Hall sitting in a press box. a la Mike Babcock. Like what, what's going on back there? I mean, it's a good time to be talking about this, I guess in a positive way, just because, you know, if we recorded a week ago, it might be a different story, but I, 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 or I just six can't... weeks from now and we hadn't tried something new is, is another point too. Definitely. Well, 
I still think like Muzzin's been so good for so long. And if he takes a step backwards, I expect him to take like a slight step backwards. I don't expect him to go from being a, a number one defenseman or a one B defenseman to being unplayable or anything. So I, I think he'll be fine. I think Brody will be fine. I'm still a big fan of his game. I still think Justin Hall is going to get back in the lineup and, and, and play quite a bit. I'm, I'm not really too concerned, especially the way the, the young guys are playing there. I'm more concerned with the forwards, but I will say that, you know, when you have Muzzin and Brody locked up and you now you have Riley locked up for a long time, you know, if, if, the, if, they do continue to be shells of themselves. You got a major problem. Like it's, it's tough to be a contender if those guys aren't going to be playing well. Um, but really I, I am, I'm almost banking on them on turning it around or at least, you know, being close to what they were, even if it is a slight step back. I just think the forwards are the bigger problem right now. I, I know that's weird to say for these fans weird to hear, but the last two playoff series, it really hasn't been the defense. It's been the forwards lack of scoring. Good point. And I, I think that's where the fact that you take Hyman out kind of makes a forward group worse or weaker than it was a year ago rather than stronger. So I'm still expecting a big deadline acquisition there that kind of puts them over the top. But for now, even though the, the defense has been a bit weak, I'm still more concerned with the forwards. Who would be on Nick? your target list for an acquisition like that? There's not too many players that stand out right now. Like, I, I think the first question is who are going to be like, who's going to be out of it come deadline. Right. So hurdles, a guy that I wanted forever, but San Jose is doing quite well. And you, you know, you have these bubble teams that you know, aren't ever going to make a deep cup run, but you know, sometimes they don't sell the deadline. They, they go for it for whatever reason. So that that's really the big question mark. But when I'm looking at the list, like would, would Besser get moved? I don't know. What about would, Dylan Strom? He's not really. I, I, I ideally want someone a bit better. Like <laughs> I, you were going to say, he's not really good. <laughs> he's he's a fine player, but I'm, I want like a uh, someone who can play on a first line and not look out of place. Like someone who kind of belongs on a first line, or, or at so least not a, Nick Foligno is what you're saying. Not Nick Foligno. Someone Ooh, ahead shots. of. I want like a 65, 70 point forward. I, I'd be willing to. Uh, I want Philip Forsberg. Uh, that would uh, be cool. like fifty like percent oh, wow. retained, maybe. That's that's what I'm thinking. Make off the be, top. Would he be the? He would yeah, be the def- perfect. Definitely league. would be a uh, needle mover. I think I'm on. I'm on the same page as Kevin here. Like if they're gonna trade for a forward, um, I want a needle mover. With the Nick Felino, I don't want to get into this too much, but. We'll see. I, I felt bad for him. Obviously, he got injured. Uh, maybe yeah. if he's 100%, he has a bit of a better playoffs. Um, and he hardly, you know, he obviously missed games there. So uh, at the time, I wanted Taylor Hall. I know Kevin wanted Taylor Hall. Um, I think he would be more of that needle mover. So I think I'm with Kevin here. Like, I want someone similar to Hall this year. Um, Hurdle's one, Forsberg's another. In terms of the defense, it was definitely, it's it was a, scary first seven games watching Muzzin and Hall. Um, mm-hmm. That was their staple last year. That was their staple the year before. Um, that was their their pairing that went up against top competition. They played big minutes. They penalty killed a lot. I also am not very scared about Muzzin, um, especially after seeing him the last few games. He just has such a large track record of being so good. He's never really been a, a high-end skater. Um, so I do think he will be okay. Justin Hall, I, I think we'll see. You know, the nice thing with Hall is they have players like Travis Dermott who could potentially come into the top four and play on the right side. But I do also think this team will be best when you have Hall that's similar to the Hall that was there last year, and then you have Dermott playing in that third pairing uh, next to Sandine. So Dermott would be on the right side. So it looked like Dermott got an injury last game, so maybe Hall will play tomorrow. So I guess we'll see. So you're booting Timothy. I think so. I think he's been okay, but I think I think he's especially he's the last two yeah. games. Um, I do really like that Sandy and Lilligren pairing. I've I loved watching them with the Marlies. They're they're such a cool pairing because you know the deficiencies that they have in their own end in terms of defensive zone coverage is kind of they don't really spend too much time in the defensive zone. They're such they're so good in transition. They've been really good in the offensive zone at generating dangerous scoring chances. So. 
it kind of covers up those deficiencies back there. And they've been at pretty much a 50-50 zone start right now. So they're not getting sheltered that much. I've really liked that pairing, but I also like Sandy and Dermot. So I think Lilligren as a 7D is just fine for now. All right, let's get to let's get to the quick hitters. Let's get to the grades. We are grading the new Maple Leafs. So you guys can give again school grades, A through F. I guess A plus through F. Let's start with Michael Bunting, Nick. What is your player grade for Michael Bunting? I'm going to go A minus. I really like Michael Bunting's uh, game. I think he's probably been the most exciting out of all the new leaps. They're not going to replace Zach Hyman with one player. I don't think Michael Bunting is going to show the same type of play driving that Zach Hyman is, but I think he's going to try his hardest and he's going to get somewhat close to it in terms of what we see in terms of the eye test. He wins a tons of battles. He is a pretty decent finisher. And I think he just works so well with Matthews Nylander. So I'm going to give him an A-. minus. I really liked his game. I don't see him moving from that top six anytime soon because it's worked so well. And again, he's not going to be Zach Hyman, but I think he's going to try his best to be. Kevin, over, under, A-. minus. I'm going over. Uh, uh, I'm not over sure. I'll and go. A-? minus. Yeah, I'm going, I'll go A. He wow. makes He makes less than a million. He signed for two years. I don't think he's like an amazing two-way forward. I think he's got some flaws, but... He can at least look okay in the top six or with some skilled forwards. I think you can move him down to you could probably get away with him on a check on the checking line. He could play with Spezza if needed for two years for under a million bucks. That's exactly what the Leafs needed. You know, they need some guys who are underpaid um, to kind of supplement their their big contracts. And I think he's just exactly what they needed. So I'm I'm giving him an A. Completely agree. He's an A minus for me and an A plus based on the contract. Also, Ian's dog just showed up in the room. He is ecstatic right now. He is ecstatic. Ian, we're on to the next one. I th- I think I don't. Yes, she did come in. And she's the best. Um, the next one, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Nick Ritchie. <laughs> Kevin, you want this one, or, yeah. or should we say it at the same? <laughs> should we say it at the same time? It's an <laughs> Guys, he's, I don't think he, I don't know. Like, even when they play very well, he's like not even noticeable, right? Like, he, and he just doesn't have a role. Like, it, it seems like he should be competing with Simmons for like the fourth line physical type of player. You know, they were kind of, they were good together the other night. Like, it's nice to have someone physical on the left and right side. You know, they get the odd shift where there's some big hits. But for two yeah, and in a half 2010, million, <laughs> two and a half million. He can't really skate. He can't really. He's not good defensively. He takes too many penalties. They got to get out of that deal. I'd send him to Arizona with a pick at the deadline. Like I, I just don't see where he fits. I mean, I, I like the net front scoring ability on the power play, but that's not worth two and a half, especially when you have guys that already do that. So I got to give him an F, especially with that contract. It's it's bad. I'd get out of it. Um, I, it's kind of like VZ, you know, like you're you're what. 10 games in now and it's still you still haven't noticed them it's it's very vanilla vanilla. yeah it's vanilla wow nick we're 55 minutes into the podcast and kevin has sent both peter morazic and nick ritchie to arizona for draft picks so i guess we're just having a very very uh very boring draft this year nick that's um, an a that's an a plus off season right there (laughs) nick (laughs) i'm gonna give him an f2 i mean zero points at five on five he's starting a ton in the offensive zone He's taking minor penalties in the offensive zone. He hasn't drawn one. Um, he wasn't effective when he was with Matthews and Marner. He looked completely out of place. He looked slow on that top line. Um, I know Kevin and I talked in the offseason about his speed being a concern. I haven't moved off that position. Um, and I don't really like him on that fourth line. Like As a result of him going to the fourth line, Spets has moved to center. Um, I don't think he's that fourth line generated anything in terms of points. I was really rooting for him because I didn't like the deal at first and I wanted to be proven wrong. But I mean, you know, at 2.5, if anything, I think that we will see if Sheldon Keefe moves him out of the lineup when Mikheyev is back or if that contract somehow keeps him into the lineup. Because right now, I don't think he's one of the 12 best forwards on the Leafs when they're healthy. Nick Ritchie is a second line player. 
which means he can only do one thing. He has to be on that line. And this team, he can't be that. This is an F. It's an F. And honestly, he is so anti-Dubis, I'm shocked that he was signed to this team. And yet, had me fooled. Thought this guy was going to throw his weight around and make a difference. Um, next one. Nick Andre Kasha. I've liked him. I think that he generates, you know, obviously there it's a very defensive line in general, but I think he generates a lot of good chances. Um, not a lot of them have gone in so far. I do expect that to change. I don't expect him to be some big offensive producer like maybe he used to be in Anaheim when he's playing with David Camp next to him, but I've liked it. So I'm going to give him a B plus. Kevin? A. I know wow. that lights. Yeah, I, I like Kasha. I think he's just what this team needs. Like Bunting, you know, they needed some they need some steal, some guys that are underpaid. Uh, he's stayed healthy thus far, which is really the biggest thing. He's just he's taking a ton of defensive zone faceoffs. And that's fine. Like it's not the goal of Sheldon Keefe is it to maximize Kasha's success, it's to maximize the team success. He's doing well in that role. Camp needs some offense next to him. Uh, I think he's he's someone who can jump up to the top six if, if someone like a Nylander or Marner would ever get hurt. Yep. Uh, he can add some secondary scoring um, to a line that really needs it. I know, yeah, the numbers aren't really a material, but I've liked his game. I like the speed he brings, the transition skill, the penalty killing. If, if he stays healthy, I think that contract's a steal. So I, I've been I've been happy with him. No one fl- is on the ice more. As in either been knocked over, dove, tripped. <laughs> Andre Kasha is on the ice all the time. I, I have to cringe when I see him get hit now. Cause... I know, with the concussions, I know. Uh, Ian, last one. Again, I know my answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Peter Mrazek. Nick, are you starting Ooh. or you want me to go? Um, I can start. This one is an interesting one because I'll give him a B. I think he's been okay. Um, in general, like I think he's had two or three starts now, or just two. Um, one of them was the Ottawa game where, where he got injured. Um, and he was okay in that game, allowed a lot of goals, a lot of them were pretty unlucky, but obviously, he I think did it's, a, a it's incomplete goals. at this point, right? Yeah, I'll say it's got to be incomplete. Yeah, I don't feel too strongly about him, but I think he's been okay thus far. Oh, Kevin feels strongly. Kevin thinks this guy's a 1A at this point. He's starting He's starting in the Stanley Cup final. If he gets an A, I don't know. <laughs> I get to give him like a B minus. Like, I feel like I'm a the B minus. He's played five periods and gave up what? Six goals? <laughs> what else am I supposed to give him? Like, and then he's done nothing. Give him like you didn't finish your homework. He's come a, back next he's year. A, no, I'm like the teacher F, coming in. He's an F on contract alone. I'm like a teacher coming in trying to do report cards, and I've only seen been in the classroom for two days like i'm giving him the b minus <laughs> i'm pretending that i gave him a grade uh, you know getting out of there he can't uh, he hasn't done anything like he's it's, it's been two games i can't you're really right. give him a grade so he's only let in six goals you're 100 right um we were gonna do david Kampf, but he's we're not going to because that's such a david Kampf thing to do it's just like you just get a b minus because you're great you're in your own zone you're gonna score three goals a year so we're gonna skip him and i'm gonna do a bonus one Josh Hosang. Wow. What is your grade for Josh Hosang? I'm going to give him an A. I mean, he has been, I thought in the preseason he was noticeable. I thought he injected life into the game whenever he was on the ice. And with the Marlies, I mean, he had a bit of a slow start, I would say. He probably, I think he was point per game, like in the first two games, he had an assist or something like that. Or, but since then, he's been unbelievable with the Marlies. Um, love watching him. I'm still skeptical skeptical about him coming up to the Leafs. I would keep him with the Marlies for a little bit. Um, but, I mean, if you're moving Nick Ritchie as a healthy scratch and bringing up Josh Hosang to play next to John uh, next to Spezza, I'm a fan of it. Um, but I would say he's definitely in the top two of getting called up, Alex Steves being the other one. So I'll give him an A. Kevin? Big. Big Alex Steve shit out there, Dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to give him an A. He's got five goals in six games, so I mean, can't ask for much better. He's not much of a goal scorer either in the past. He's always been assist heavy. Hmm. In terms of like a call up, the, the, his issue is that he's he's a right wing player who I think has to play on the right side. And then 
he's more offensively tilted. So, you know, you have Nylander, Marner, and Spezza kind of, and, and Kasha can play an offensive role too, uh, all on the right side. It's going to be tough to find him a spot, especially, you know, got Simmons on the right side as well. Uh, you got Makaya coming back soon enough. I don't know if he's going to get time. We'll see if there's, there's any injuries or anything, but so far so good. He's, he's been amazing for the Marlies. He, he could be one of the call-ups. I don't know if I have Steve's that high, but we won't go two Marlies. But well, well, yeah, let's and, not go two Marlies. But they got some other options. I don't know if I see him coming up anytime soon, but maybe if there's an injury. And that's the point. If one of Willie or Marner, and knock on wood, knocking on the podcast, knock on wood, if one of them get hurt, Keith's done this before. Hosang's coming up and he's playing in the top six. He ain't messing around with that third line. That's right. He's coming up and he's playing in the top six. He's they're gonna be like, we don't want to sacrifice skill. That's what this guy does. I think that'd be awesome. It'd be I think what a story. And yet in his article, the interview on the Leaf Nation the other day, he just wants to make music. He's happy with the Marlies. I love that headspace for him. But but selfishly, I want to see him. I think we're all rooting for him. He's just such a likable person. I also read that article. Uh, I think it was by Nick uh, Barden. Um, yep. Like, good article. I think we're all just rooting for him. Like, he just seems like such a likable person. Um, it almost felt like it was inevitable that the Leafs were going to sign him um, sooner or later with the situation going on in, with the Islanders. So, when it actually did happen, I think it was pretty awesome. So, We'll see. I do expect him to play some games with the Leafs this year because obviously injuries do happen, and I could definitely see him getting the Pontus Aberg treatment. Love it. Love it. Well, boys, this has been another episode of the From the Stands podcast. Make sure you're checking out Kevin Papetti and Nick D'Souza. They're writing, they're podcasting, and they're tweeting. So make sure that you're following them. We will put their handles in this episode on Instagram, make sure you check it out. Ian, why don't you sign us off of the podcast? Thank you both for coming on. Always a blast. Always a blast to kick it and talk least with you guys, even though you guys are all suppressing what is most likely going to be the inevitable <laughs> at, the end of, at the end of it all. Appreciate the positivity and thanks for coming on. <laughs>